Tech Industry Podcast, and I'm David Andrew Let's dig in. Today I'm chatting with CEO and founder of Soundfly, Ian Temple. How are you today, Ian? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. So what <laughs> Thank is... Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's an honor. So what is Soundfly and how does it help musicians? Yeah, so... Soundfly is basically a, a, a different kind of online music school. So we we exe- exist to help musicians meet their meet their goals, and that can be many sorts of musical goals, whether producing a, a professional sounding track from scratch, or composing your first string quartet, or booking your next big tour. Um, uh, that's what what drives us to do what we do, and 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 the way we do that is. Um, uh, we have uh, free daily articles that are of interest to musicians. We have free mini courses that take you through a kind of single musical topic in a sitting. Um, and then we provide um, uh, mentor services to musicians, um, either paired with content or not, in which we, we help musicians by pairing them with a, a personal trainer, basically, um, someone who has knowledge and expertise in their field, who works with them for a month or more to, uh, to help them meet their goals. Um, so multiple levels of, of helping, helping musicians achieve things um, and learn new things. It's fascinating. And there's a couple of things you touched on that I definitely want to dig deeper into. I think the first thing is, you know, what types of courses can musicians expect to find on your website? And you just mentioned a few different subjects, but it sounds like you offer a lot and most topics are covered in a sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because when we started out, we started, um, I'm a pianist myself, um, so we started just by kind of uh, messing around with like some beginner piano content to try and like learn about the market. Um, and one thing we discovered pretty quickly early on was, you know, number one, that, um, there was already a glut of beginner piano content out there. Of course. Um, and, uh, number two, you know, I like to say going from zero to one, um, as a musician, if you know nothing about music is, is really hard because it's not that much fun to practice when you don't know anything. Right. Um, and yet that's kind of the area that so many people are chasing. I mean, there's some amazing resources out there like musician, um, or playground sessions that, that kind of try and provide that service. Um, what we felt like was missing was once people already know a little bit about music and already have some kind of knowledge and how did they learn all the things you need to know as a modern musician in today's music world, um, to, to kind of succeed or to achieve your goals. And so we focused a lot on courses on production or composition, helping you with your songwriting or to, you know, one of our most popular courses is, is orchestrating for strings, um, uh, uh, how to use a DAW, how to make beats, um, and then some music business stuff, um, how to actually market yourself as a musician and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting seeing that, that that was really where there was a hole in the market. And that's really where we've tried to fill and support musicians. What are musicians missing about setting goals and achieving the level of success they desire? Ah, um, that's a great question. Um, so I think there are 
couple big things that we think about here at Soundfly. Um, the first one is is that you'd be amazed by how many musicians just come to us with a really big dream and no idea how to get there, right? So when we when we intake a new student to work with one of our mentors, you know, the first thing we ask them is, "What do you want to learn? What what what's your big goal?" Um, and so many of them are just like, "Oh, write a hit track or 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 kind of." Um, you know, be famous with my, succeed with my music. Um, and it's really vague yeah. and, and hard to wrap your head around, right? And, and, and that can be arresting for a, mu- a musician. I mean, having a goal that that's big, that's that big and that vague, you don't really know how to start or how to achieve it. Um, so something we really focus on a lot, one of our core kind of learning concepts is, is making sure that we're creating really highly deliberate learning plans for every student that takes their big goal and breaks it up into achievable small steps that with, with kind of interim milestones that they can actually achieve. Um, I guess, I guess a really good example for that would be, we've had a, um, a number of students come to us who want to uh, have their music um, uh, in sync licensing libraries, right? Have their music be on, on commercials and stuff. Um, uh, but but they have no idea how to get there. Um, that's just their goal, um, but they, they, they don't know what they're doing. So we work with them. We figure out where their music is now, and we say, okay, we need to, you know, it, truthfully, your, your composition needs a little bit of work, your production needs a little bit of work, and then we'll work with you once we've gotten through those things to, to figure out how to approach an actual library. Um, and so we, we go step by step through those different things. And the first month might be, you know, creating a sound alike of another track that um, is already on TV or has already been licensed. Um, and we'll focus on the mixing. We'll focus on tweaking the sound design and just make sure that sh- she or he is really able to achieve that. Um, and then the next one will be, um, you know, focusing in on some other aspect of that track and and just taking those really small steps. So I think that's that's kind of the the biggest picture thing is 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 getting really focused and deliberate in how you approach your big goals. I like that because I was a guitar teacher for over a decade, and one of the things I tried to do away with was a standardized music curriculum. Instead, I tried yeah. to customize it for each student, as challenging as that was, because I must have had hundreds of students over the years, but I thought that was such a valuable thing to be able to do for people. And even though you know the enthusiasm level didn't necessarily change for some students, I think others found tremendous value in being able to learn things like Green Day or Blink-182 or one of their favorite groups over trying to grow through this book that was like really painful, you know, one string at a time and re- totally. reading notes yeah. and sight reading and the whole works. Yeah, that's one of the interesting challenges is that so many, you know, I, I love learning and how people learn. And that's kind of what we obsess about here at Soundfly. And, and the interesting thing is that people learn in really different ways. Mm. So to have that ability to personalize an approach for how this specific student learns and what their goals are, I think is really valuable. And you you see a lot of research actually supporting that now in the field as well. One thing I think about with different styles of learning is generally trying to provide three types of content. And this is super challenging when you're both basically like a solopreneur with a couple of contractors working for you, is creating video, audio, 
and text. <laughs> and you can, sort of yeah. you can sort of repurpose it all, right? You can take your video, you can transcribe it, you can strip the audio, make it into a podcast or something like that. It's time consuming, but I think it is one way of catering to different learning styles. What are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree 100%. There. Um, I'm trying to think. There was, there was one model we looked at when we were starting Soundfly. Um, it it might have been um, uh, Rosetta Stone, that language learning uh, software. Mm. Um, and they always provide for every everything you're teaching. Like you speak it, you hear it, you read it, you mm-hmm. see it. I mean, it, it's really just those multiple elements and and i think that's that's really great um you know i think the the other thing that i would just add to that is that um one of our big goals at soundfly um is that everyone should not just consume our content that every piece of content we make should inspire action um because really you can read and watch and listen to stuff all day and that and that's great and you will learn new perspectives and you'll hear a bunch of great stuff but it really requires taking some action to make sure that learning sticks and lasts long term um it's it's the difference between you know what's called passive learning and just kind of sitting in a let's say the, the best example might be like sitting in a college lecture um, and active learning, which is actually taking the concepts you've just learned and figuring out some concrete way to just practice it. And, and that could be just, you know, maybe someone listens to your podcast and you're doing an episode on on marketing. And, and, and at the end of the podcast, they try and they challenge themselves to try to use one little piece of knowledge that they learned in your podcast for their own career that day. Um, you know, maybe it's 20 minutes, rewrite your bio. Maybe it's 30 minutes, um, come up with a a new social media plan for the rest of the week or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting that active piece of it is is really important as well. You know, I'm also a ghostwriter and I've written on a variety of topics. One of them is actually e-learning. And in that industry, Mm -hmm. one thing they continually talk about is the ability to do self-directed learning. And I think Mm -hmm. that's partly what you're talking about is like, it's not learning, you know, in front of a instructor or classrooms kind of setting. It's about finding that internal motivation and then taking it at your your own pace and your convenience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that. And we, we all kind of come with different degrees of being able to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like really motivated and I'll two month, for two months I'll just be like, learn you know doing tons of stuff every week and learning um at a really fast clip and then other times i'm I'm less motivated that's kind of actually part of the thinking behind why we um provide mentors as a core part of our our service at soundfly um Mm -hmm. so our model really revolves around you know we we like to call it you know a personal trainer but for your music um and that is because like we all face some of those challenges with accountability, with self-directed learning, where um, you don't always know or you, you lose motivation a little bit. And just having someone who um, can kind of check in with you on a weekly basis and help make sure you're clear on what your goal is for the week 
and check in with you at the end of the week, say, how's it going? Um, and give you like in-depth feedback on, on whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, that's kind of the core value that we think we provide students. Mm. Um, and something, you know, that we think we've seen can have a big impact. That's something I want to dig deeper into, but just one thing I wanted to say beforehand was I recently moved and I was able to drop a lot of baggage around perfectionism. So I'm going through one of those periods of just creating and making a lot of stuff. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just got a lot of clarity of mind to do that. So that's been awesome. Congrats. That, oh. that, you know, seize it when you got it, right? <laughs> Pretty much. You have to. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so it sounds like one of the primary value propositions is mentorship and accountability, which I like a lot. And that's something I had when I was in network marketing. I don't look upon those days necessarily fondly, but I like the fact that there were people guiding me and showing me the way. So are you finding that your students get drastically different results from those who don't have access to the same resources? Yes. Hmm. To, to put it simply, um, you know, we... We love our free courses and our free articles and, and obviously accessibility is so important. And so we want to make sure we always provide those things. But, um, but it actually, you know, it was a test we ran last year. Honestly, we, we, we tried a bunch of different approaches to helping our students learn. We, we tried like groups. Um, we had like, uh, office hours in courses. We had, um, uh, um, just different kind of mechanisms of accountability. And then we tried this personalized mentor thing where every student got uh, a personalized mentor to work with them through a specific kind of curriculum or course content. And, um, the ones with the mentor just, first of all, they just had like a incredible, you know, way better experience. And second of all, they came out vastly improved. Um, and they did all the work. Um, they, they, you know, they made, they came out of a, a course with six new pieces of music to add to their portfolio. Hmm. Um, whereas the others, you know, maybe, maybe had one. Um, and, and so that was really gratifying. So that's kind of prompted us to develop this whole model. Um, it is cause we've just seen that the value of having this, this person who can both hold you accountable as you point out. Um, but also, give you feedback on your work, answer your questions and help structure a learning plan. Um, you know, as, a, as I said earlier, kind of like that's another big part of it where like if you have a really big goal, that learning plan that helps you just say, okay, but this week, just, just write a melody, just write a simple melody. And believe it or not, that's going to get you closer to your goal of writing that hit song, hmm. you know, and then they work with you through that. So um, yeah, we, we've definitely seen a, a a big impact. Um, and we have a bunch of students now who just come back to us every month, um, to work with either the same mentor or a different mentor. There you go. Coaching makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe in that, especially, yeah. you know, since I'm thinking about launching a membership component to my website where people can ah, get nice. access to one-on-one -on -one in a forum. Right. So yep. it's good for people to hear that. Now I am going to get into some more business and personal questions, but it's definitely speak from your place of passion of learning if applicable. Of mm -hmm. any industry, music might be one of the toughest to succeed in today. So why create a business serving artists? <laughs> that, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> you sound like my dad. Um, uh, oh, no. 
<laughs> no, I'm just joking. He's super supportive. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think, you know, I think most of us are in music, um, because some part of it really speaks to us. And, um, I, you know, I, I think it's really interesting because that can be different things for different people. Some people just get that rush of performing on stage. Some people love sitting in a room and composing on a computer. Um, some people just love the act of expression and, and some people love, um, just hearing music and could listen to it all day. Um, I think, you know, for, for me personally, um, I think music, helping people express themselves in music um, is so much more than just helping people express themselves in music. You know, there, there, there's so many ancillary benefits to that as well. Mm. And, and it's, it, it comes from increased calm. I mean, I mean, it breeds increased confidence. It, it helps people discover their voice. And, and what I mean by that is like their actual unique voice, what they have to give to the world. Mm. Right. Um, and there's a lot of cynicism and like people being kind of ironic in the music industry and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think about music less as a career or, or as like a money-making thing. I mean, that, that's important. That's great. But it really is to me about just helping people, um, discover and explore and share their personal voice and and all the impact that that can have both on themselves and on you know the world around them and 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 it's certainly a much more beautiful and impactful way to share your voice in the world than um you know trolling on facebook or you know whatever else um some some people must might choose to to express themselves so i think that's for me why um i come from a, a, a place, place of just trying throughout my career um and everything i've i've done for the past 10 years to to support people in in kind of uh self-actualizing their 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 dreams or goals and i think music has just hit a nerve as like a really powerful way to do that in the um yeah it's true like music has provided so much inspiration and confidence and career opportunities and different vignettes for me that I've had the opportunity to explore. And even as I look back, when I was 14, I started my first website and it was <laughs> an anti-Hansen website. So <laughs> even though I wasn't... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> even though I wasn't really making music yet, I think I was just beginning the process of like practicing writing lyrics and things like that. I was already writing about music. And again, my you know, I, I grew up in Japan, so my fluency in English at the time wasn't very good, and the stuff I was writing wasn't very good either. I just kind of got started and got going. So yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> there's just and the fact that there's some connection to the to music even back then is is kind of funny to me. But yeah, once I picked up yeah. the guitar, started performing. Uh, yeah, really, performance is one of the things that I love more most and gave me the biggest rush, which is why. Mm -hmm. You know, when I saw, began to see the broader side of music entrepreneurship and how that could help musicians and think about their careers differently and, and approach it from an empowering perspective rather than a defeatist perspective, that's when yep. I knew I had something that I needed to share with the world. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's another thing just to share very quickly, I think 
my so this is my second company I'm starting. Before this, I started a nonprofit with I some, read about some that. friends. Um, and that's still going, doing very well. And it's mm. called The Future Project. It does amazing work in high schools and just incredible team of people. Um, but my first experience in leadership, my first experience is in, and the first thing that told me that I like to start projects was music related, right? It was having bands and, and trying to be the quote unquote CEO of a musical project and push that forward. Um, so that's really interesting as well. The way that music gave me the like love of, uh, the, you know, starting projects and seeing them, you know, go out into the world. Mm. You know, what you just said prompted a different question or train of thought. I want to ask, what's the biggest lesson you've learned about leadership? Um, uh, could I could I ask for leadership? What element of leadership, or is there a specific? I think yeah. as far as you know, being an entrepreneur, we have to lead yeah. by example. We have to be the the visionaries, and sometimes we have to cover basically every other aspect of a business, from accounting all the way over to admin and stuff that's well below right. our pay grade, right? So yeah. I'm just wondering, like, in leading people and your employees or team members and so forth, what was the biggest leadership lesson that you <laughs> That's such a great question. And I'm, you're going to make me like go have an existential crisis. <laughs> and like, what is the biggest lesson I've learned about leadership? Um, uh, you know, I think, I think there, the biggest lesson I've learned about starting a company mm. um, would be just the idea of how, how can you know more 30 days from today than you know now. Mm. Um, that idea of just testing, pushing, trying things, you know, figuring out what your audience likes, figuring out what you like, you know, um, that idea of just finding the shortest path to test your propositions and, and learn. Mm. Um, learn by doing. <laughs> it's a theme. Um, uh, so that's one element maybe of leadership, but it's kind of a little bit tangential. Um, in terms of actual leadership, I think as, as a leader, I have this constant dialogue going with myself around um, what are the most important characteristics. And as you pointed mm -hmm. out, I think I've always been someone who tries to lead by example more than um, lead by dictation and yeah. uh, struggling to come to terms with that um, when you're running a, a team or working with a team of people and thinking about how to provide that example and um, uh, thinking about exactly what you should be spending your time on is something that I'm, I'm still struggling with and is kind of a constant daily reflection, you know, mm -hmm. um, what should I really be doing today versus what should my team be doing? And are they set up for success to do those other things? Actually, I think the first thing you touched on is also very much connected to leadership because it starts with you. So if you don't mm -hmm. grow yourself and invest in your personal growth and you expect others to do the same, you can't really get anywhere, can you? Because yep. it's your example that they're following. I like yeah, that. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's so often the case as well that you know in, in, that our greatest strengths um, as individuals also contain within them some of our greatest flaws 
Um, you know, and I think that the, that is all tied together in this because uh, I am I know that one of my greatest strengths is just getting stuff done. I can, you know, how can I learn more 30 days from now than I do today? I just I'll just do something, do a test. I'll get it done. I'll do it really well. Um, but wrapped up in that is certainly one of my my greatest flaws that uh, that when I struggle to to know how to approach something, I'll just do it myself. And uh, that's not always the best thing when you have a team or when you have a big um, project to undertake. You need to to share some of that that um, uh, share some of that ownership and that 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 act- activity. Oh, I'm laughing because that's pretty much the exact conversation I had last night about leadership <laughs> and example. Yeah, I just, amazing. It, <laughs> hits, it hits home for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it hits home. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nightly conversation for me too. So maybe I, I you know we'll just have to call each other up every night and like how how did you do today, man? You know. <laughs> hey, there you go, mastermind, right? Yeah. But there's yeah. accountability in motion. Yeah. <laughs> I have my pat answer down to this question. I'm curious to see what you'll say. We are in the information age and knowledge is becoming commoditized. How do you build interest in your business when one of the main things you offer is educational content? Yeah, so this is actually a really good question for me because I think um, our uh, I think our journey up to this point, the last couple of years, has been one of discovering how we can truly deliver value. Um, and one of the key discoveries there um, in kind of pouring over research and reading books and, and, and testing things in our own business is, um, you know, that a lot of the online learning platforms that currently exist focus on the wrong things to tell you the truth. Mm. Um, and, uh, and that's in some ways what you're talking about is that the internet was built for knowledge dissemination and information dissemination. And that's fantastic. And, and we all know what a revolution that's caused. And, but too many people out there are confusing knowledge dissemination with learning. Mm. And there's it's a difference. Um, you know, and there's a lot of research to back this up that, you know, once again, just like reading articles online, it might feel satisfying. It might feel good in the moment. You might pick up a tidbit, but if you're not practicing active learning and if you're not doing something with that knowledge you're getting, then you're not really learning in the long term. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, we've drawn a lot from, um, two books in particular, uh, one by a guy named Anders Ericsson called Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the researcher who provided the foundations for Mal- Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. Mm-hmm. Um, although he kind of argues with that rule, um, <laughs> he thinks Malcolm Gladwell kind of misrepresented a couple things, but, um, but still his research is really interesting and it's all about you know, that the best learning happens at the edge of your comfort zone. You need to push yourself. If something doesn't feel um, difficult, then you're probably not kind of learning for the long term. Hmm. Um, there's another great book called Make It Stick by a trio of researchers um, that I can share with you afterwards if you want to um, share it with your community. Um, and the, the word they use is desirable difficulties. Um, and it's that that idea that you you, yeah, it needs to be effortful. 
um, in order to learn. And so we've structured our whole model uh, around this idea of active learning and trying to inspire people to take offline action because that's how they're going to learn long term. And that's why our, we have our mentor system and that's why we've experimented and tested and honed in on this mentor system um, to try and maximize the chances that you will not only learn something, but take action on it, get feedback on it, push yourself outside your comfort zone, and consequently take much bigger strides in your learning than you might on some other kind of online learning site. Mm. Application is wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the things I've been trying this year a little bit is I'm reading my coach's book, which is Work Less, Make More by James Ramco. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going... I love what's in here, but for me to apply it and really understand it, it might take multiple readings. So my mm -hmm. thought process was maybe I could push myself to read it once per month, keep going back to it until I absorb the information, put it into practice, and then move to the next resource as opposed to constantly looking up something new. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to take that one step further... Uh, one thing I might suggest uh, would be even um, to try to, without opening the book, try to summarize some of the key ideas of the book mm. on, a, on a piece of paper one month. So one month, read it or go back to it. The next month, try and summarize the key ideas from it. And in doing so, you're going to practice um, what's called recall and that's very, very powerful for strengthening its impact on you. Um, and then go mm. back to it again afterwards and, and, you know, see what you got right and what other things you could pick up and then try it again and, and, and keep practicing that recall. And that could even help kind of make it even deeper, make it stick longer. I like that. Thanks for suggesting that. And I can see your passion <laughs> coming through for learning for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to, to jump in and uh, I shouldn't be uh, uh, not at all <laughs> throwing things out there, but that's great. I love it. I love what you're saying. I appreciate the suggestion. So I'm going to try that. And so you've been warned. I know this can be a bit of a touchy or risky question, but I'm going to ask anyway, and you can give me whatever answer you like. How do you, mar <laughs> how do you market your business and what channels have you had the most success with? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm happy to talk about it because um, I am learning every day about this. Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, it's, you know, marketing is so interesting and, and, and there are so many different approaches and there are so many different aspects to it and angles to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking back to this. Um, this guy that we interviewed two years ago that uh, we made a YouTube video um, with him for our touring on a shoestring course. And um, we asked him a question very similar to that about like, you know, how should musicians market their their craft or whatever? And his answer was, uh, this is like a, a one of the managers of Le Poisson Rouge, a big venue in, in New York City. And he's like, um, artists just need to do marketing. And and whenever we on the team, we always bring that up because it's like the funniest thing. Um, and and like he just said it like like that was his whole answer. Um, and it hasn't been that useful, obviously, but no. but, but it, is, it is a starting place at least. Marketing encompasses so much um, that trying to wrap my head around it is like I'm focusing on a different thing every month and trying to learn. So the big things we've learned about marketing Soundfly. 
um, is that um, is that the key, um, the core activity that we need to do is to create individual trust with our community, with the people who come to our site. Um, so, so we've we've explored lots of different marketing channels. Obviously, the daily articles that we publish are mm-hmm. a big part of that. I mean, that drives a ton of traffic to our site. Yeah. Um, we post those on Facebook and send them around to relevant people and kind of do some of your, your classic, um, social media marketing with those. Um, but once people come to that site and once people have seen those articles or encountered Samfly for the first time, our goal from that point onward is just to, um, give them a reason to trust we're asking them for a decent chunk of, of money um, to, to join. You know, our, our mentor model is not cheap to run, so mm. we have to um, charge a decent decent amount of money. Our, our um, mixing courses cost $4.99 each. So, so everything we do from that point on is just trying to build trust. And, and, and we've done various things. We do, we've started doing Facebook Live events. Um, and that's great because it gives people a chance to see that we're humans. Um, we are real people. Um, and that's so important to our model. All the mentors are humans. So people need to understand and know that we are very human um, and trustworthy in that way. Mm-hmm. We um, we ask everyone who comes to our site, we immediately try and reach out to them and, uh, you know, through automated channels at this point, kind of intercom or or other things because we just have such a volume of of people um but we ask them how can we help you how can you know what are you trying to learn and if someone responds to those emails we will spend the time regardless of whether it's with us or not trying to help that person you know take a step forward in their goal um because that's just so important to us in terms of building trust so for our business um really right now everything we're trying to do and think about is just activities that can can build our credibility and increase our trust with our audience basically if i were to boil it down i think one of the things you're talking about there is content marketing which is one of the things that actually makes my heart beat because here i am making a podcast and it's takes time it takes effort takes resources to do but part of it is i enjoy it and the other part is it's building trust with the people i come in contact with and yes any, any number of my podcast episodes or just one of them could connect with somebody and then they go, who is this guy? What does he have to offer? So it is an incredible way to build trust these days. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it, it comes with its challenges, I'm sure, as you oh, know as yeah. well, which is there's so, as you've said before earlier on the show, there's so much content out there. So mm-hmm. uh, how do you offer an interesting take on a subject or how do you offer an angle that hasn't been already covered and covered and covered again exactly and i mean one of my top blog posts it's weird but it's six things i learned from the power of your subconscious mind by joseph murphy so basically a book review and and it just continues to get hundreds of views every single day Uh, that's amazing i know it's it's interesting and mindset being a very important thing i don't mind covering it on the blog it's just more so fascinating that that's the thing that drives a lot of traffic to my site. Yeah, I think we, one of our biggest articles to date was it was called something like Eric Satie is so much weirder than you realized. 
<laughs> and we were like, wait a second, like Eric Satie being the French turn of the century composer, min slightly minimalist. And like, who knew that there was a pocket of the internet out there that was just desperate to learn about how weird this turn of the century French composer was, you know, I mean, it, it was it's just like the strangest thing. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, I guess those Eric Satie or um, real music nerds out there felt a little bit underserved and, and we gave them something that was, that was interesting. So that article continues to get great, great traffic. Yeah. Basically you just never know. You got to keep yeah. at it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Keep at it and, and I guess, you know, test, uh, try lots of things to, to find those angles that where you're doing something really different. Totally believe in that. I know you've done quite a bit of recording and touring yourself, so I'd like you to share two or three highlights from your career and what you learned from those experiences. Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's Sometimes it's kind of hard to go too far back, so I'll, I'll use recent examples. Um, Let's see, what's a, a, a big highlight? Well, um, recently my, my, my trio, which is kind of a slightly um, uh, experimental, um, modern classical to some degree, inspired by some of the minimalist composers, um, uh, trio called Sontag Shogun. And, and, and our most recent album got, its, uh, got us its, our first Pitchfork review. So that was a nice um, milestone in my career. Hmm. Um, you know, some of the, th the things that really stand out to me are some of the shows we've played though. I think it was two or three years ago. We played this show in France, um, in a barn in the countryside, um, in over by like Flanders area on the Belgian border, which like the landscape there is just littered with memorials to the world war one dead um, and, uh, and you could just almost like feel the ghosts, you know, around you. And the, there is very misty and rolling hills and, um, um, even some kind of areas, pockmarked landscapes where you're still not allowed to go because there might be, um, still active debris from World War One there. Um, and we played this show in this, in the basement of this barn, um, that was kind of a 300, 400 year old barn. And, um, it was used, that basement was also used, um, by the French resistance in world war II to hide, um, people fleeing the Holocaust. And, and it, so this setting was just like imbued with power. Right. And, and, um, and we just, you know, it, it was a small audience or audience, uh, but packed, you know, the space. And, hmm. uh, it's just one of those shows that's just so memorable and always sticks with you. And the, the people who were hosting it were just so nice and excited about what we were doing. And, um, and we transitioned from our performance into a dance party for the rest of the night. It just, you know, everything went exactly right. Hmm. I think so many of my real highlights as a musician are those shows, um, where just everything goes right. Love it. Love to hear about that. What are some of the biggest struggles you've encountered as an entrepreneur? Um, <laughs> I suppose it's just the struggle, the, the, the overarching, <laughs> the one, um, the one struggle to end all struggles, which is, you know, how do, how do you, um, how do we achieve that, that, that growth that you, you know, will allow us to continue to, to continue to doing what we love, 
continue to do what we love and um, continue to deliver impact to the world. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's the big thing that uh, keeps me up at night. And I think about in the morning is just how, how t- today, how are we going to take that next step that will continue to allow us to grow as a business and, and, and continue to deliver the impact that we know we can deliver. I like it because I think your answer would be similar to mine where a lot of people would go step one, find a need, step two, fill it. I basically added step three, which is be fulfilled in the process. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause if you That's don't great. enjoy the journey, what's the destination going to look like? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. On the flip on the, Oh, thanks. On the flip side, what are some of the biggest victories you've experienced as an entrepreneur? I think that for all of us on the Soundfly team, the victories at the moment are like the individual stories. Like it's it's awesome to, to cite like some numbers, like you know, oh, we had fifty percent growth last month, or we've you know reached this milestone of of you know however many million people visited our site last year, and that's great. Like that's exciting. Um, but the it's when we see a specific student who, and we each have a couple students in our mind on the team who we've interacted with or seen through our mentor programs who just have really um, killed it, you know, in, in part through our, our involvement. Um, and uh, we have this incredible student uh, that we've worked with now for most of the last year, and, and she even helped give us feedback that helped lead to our, our current model. Um, and she came in, she's, she teaches, I think, elementary school in Wisconsin or somewhere in the Midwest and, and uh, studied music education in, in college. But she really wants to, like, keep her own music going and not get, you know, not lose that while she's working on Do Re Mi's. Um, and she's just over the past year, she's just become the incredible producer. I mean, she's just hmm. like, you know, they, we showed her her music to a bunch of like Berkeley grad producers recently. And they were like, oh, my God, you know, I mean, this is they were like making fun of each other. Like, you don't make music this good, you know, <laughs> and and, uh, um, and that's just so awesome. I mean, it's so exciting. You know, mm. I can't wait for her. She's working on her first EP, I believe now. And I can't wait for that to come out. And we've had a couple different stories, stories like that of working with a student and you know, we worked with someone on on writing to picture, writing music to picture last summer. And at the end of it, he got his first ever job writing to picture right at the end of the month of working with us. And we were like, yes, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly why we do this, you know. Um, so so that's kind of the easy answer to that is is, is it's just all about hearing those those that music that the students are creating and hearing those stories of them taking steps forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think maybe the number one thing is the difference you make, right? That's really yep. exciting. And then number two, although I have not experienced this myself, is when your team members come up with a crazy innovative solution that you would have never come up with. That's also Oh, yeah, a very that's a good one too. Gratifying yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. Are there any books that have helped you on your journey? And if not, any blogs or podcasts that have? Um, absolutely. Uh, so I've mentioned two of them already, and yes. um, I can send them to you. So one is called Peak Secrets from the New Secrets from the New Science of Expertise, I think, or something like that. It's called Peak. It's by Anders Ericsson. Um, it's about how we should practice and learn and be deliberate in our um, 
learning strategies as music well not specifically as musicians in, in anything we do in life but it, i found it really really resonant as a musician hmm. um the other one is make it stick yeah. um uh which is a fantastic uh just basically overview of um some of the science of effective learning from the past kind of 20 30 years um you know another interesting thing is that a lot of this a lot of what we're learning now it builds on things that john dewey was writing about um 100 years ago and so if anyone's really interested in learning and education they can go back and read some of his books and 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 writings um from you know around 1900 and he really started to um come up with a lot of ideas around personalized education and, and, and stuff like that hmm. um in terms of business specific books because those are all really focused on learning which is where a lot of my passion lies as as we've talked about yeah um you know i think that there are two books that i come back to a lot um the first one is is uh well, actually, I should say three books, but two of them are by the same author and could maybe be kind of considered one singular idea. Um, that's the um, Built to Last and Good to Great books. Yeah. Do you, you know those ones? I sure do. Yeah. I, I mean, just the idea as someone who started his career in nonprofit and um, but, you know, always wanted to be like back in college, I was convinced I was going to be like a humanitarian worker, like out in in the world out in you know some com combat zone um and if has all i've always been driven by um purpose more than i don't know profit let's say I, I don't i don't think that's a dichotomy but just for simplicity's sake um realizing that you can build a business based on values and mission and you can it's more effective to um create a build a clock then uh tell time um which are kind of examples they use a lot in the books um it the argument of the books is that the most successful long-term businesses are the ones that know clearly why they exist and have that encoded into a series of structures for the entire team um that ensures that the core values and the core mission and the core why of the business continues to drive everything you do. And I just love that idea. Um, obviously there's more to it and you might be able to expand on it more, but, but that's, that idea has always stuck with me. Um, and then the, the, just the other book is, is creativity Inc by one of the Pixar founders. Um, it's just a really fun book about, um, a, an approach to leadership that really, resonated with me um uh, which is low-key it's structure building it's about listening and it's about creating um a really uh honest and impactful culture within your team no matter what project you're working on in episode 73 of the podcast i talked to de carlos garrison and he shared something similar about we didn't really start this as a business we started this as something to help musicians and help artists yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a great teaching point, right? If you go after the money, it may not be there. But if you provide value, then in a way, money will just chase you down. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, you know, I learned so much from um, uh, some of these, the, the, the 
the people I started the, the last business with, the co-founders of the Future Project, um, who were so um, agnostic about methods hmm. and and um, deliberate and and authoritarian even about like purpose, right? So like we know why we're doing this and we're going to stick to that why. Um, but in terms of whether we're a nonprofit or a business, whether we make money, whether we get donations or whether we get big donations, whether we get small donations, I mean, who cares? We just need to figure out which one works. Hmm. Um, as long as, you know, as long as it allows us to keep addressing our why. Um, and that was really powerful for me. Um, you know, and I think we're still kind of taking that thought. I'm still taking that thought with me and, and kind of, you know, who cares about the, the method as long as we can discover a driver that will allow us to continue to deliver the impact we want to have. And ideally that driver lines up with the impact we have. So we're able to, you know, deliver musicians an incredibly high value service and they pay us for it. Um, but there might be other methods down the road. You know, we might, Hey, maybe we decide it's better actually to become a nonprofit and, and ask for, you know, three, $8 million donations a year. And that works for us. You know I mean? You know what I mean? The, the, the method doesn't matter as much as the outcome. Mm. Such a great perspective. Definitely hits home. Good reminder for me too. Uh, this is the portion where we get to geek out a little bit. So what tools and apps, <laughs> what tools and apps are you using to run your business? Uh, good question. Um, probably, uh, Slack is the big one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, most of our team is remote, so we're, uh, we're, uh, we're on Slack religiously and, and, uh, we try and use it as a way to, uh, deliver extra value to our students as well. So, um, students in our mentorship programs are, are on Slack asking us questions and stuff like that. It's mm. just a great communication tool. Um, other apps that I use to run, well, I don't know. I mean, they could probably go through our subscriptions list and then be, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I design in, in sketch and, and illustrator. Um, you know, we, uh, we use, um, premiere to edit our videos. Um, we, what I, I, I don't even know. I can't remember. But. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of apps. Yeah. I hear you. No, Slack is, Slack is a big one for a lot of people. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Is there anything else I should have asked? I don't know. Uh, I think uh, that, that that's probably, I think I've, I've certainly talked enough. Um, so <laughs> I, I've said everything I probably uh, meant to say, but, uh, but it's been really great chatting with you. Yes, thank you so much for joining me today and for your generosity in sharing. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. Really, really great to to chat. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Make sure to go to musicentrepreneurhq.com for show notes and other goodies and leave us a review in iTunes to help us spread the word. 